Strike the timeout. Technical They're foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. It is 4 o'clock on Monday, December 11th here in Los Angeles. My name is Mark Titus. Sitting across from me is Tate Frazier. Sitting somewhere over there is uh, our producer, Kyle. Camp. Camp. Uh, Tate, I want to start today's show with some thoughts and prayers. Uh, Thoughts and prayers go out to Seth Davis. The first court storm of the year happened this year in college basketball. In the dark. In the dark. As we know, Seth Davis hates this. He hates seeing the kids having fun. Uh, Someone's going to get hurt out there. Someone has got hurt before. A reporter broke his leg at Iowa State a few years ago. Um, It was devastating news. Shook our industry. Those of us who who cover college basketball for a living, this was... This was our nightmare. I mean, this is what we all are scared of is, is when guys storm the court, it's like, that could have been me. And uh, so Seth Davis is leading the charge for court storms. He had to sit there and witness Boston College storm the court on his alma mater, no less, the Duke Blue Devils. So I just wanted to start the show with a moment of silence for Seth Davis. Okay, okay Duke lost. <laughs> and wow, congratulations to the Blue Devils, uh, the number one team in the country. They fall in Chestnut Hill, uh, to Kai Bowman and Jerome Robinson. And those two guys, for people that do not know, grew up North Carolina fans from the great state of North Carolina, (laughs) and they get redemption. I mean, if you told those kids, Kai Bowman committed to play football at North Carolina, decided to bet on himself to go play basketball, and then he puts up almost a triple-double, 30-10-9 on the Blue Devils, gets a big win. It was a beautiful Saturday to wake up. The first game in the ACC, the Blue Devils go down. Now they're last in the ACC. And Boston College, I mean, are they the best team in the ACC right now? They are. That's what it says. I can't believe you haven't said it yet. Uh, Boston College listens to the pod. They come out of the gate. And what do they do, Tate? What do they do to slow down the Blue Devils? Go ahead, say it. You can brag. Double Bagley. They double Bagley. Just double the man. <laughs> sometimes you need two hands on your bag, and sometimes you need a double Bagley. They, and that's what they did. Boston it was College so beautiful. doubles Bagley. They go zone, which um, isn't quite doubling Bagley, but it's kind of the same thing. Like you just kind of pack the just paint. Just pack the zone. Just yeah. Just Tate may have been right. It, it's, I'm, I'm I'm flustered right now because Tate may have been right. I'm having so much fun. It's been a great college basketball season. We've been doing this good guy, bad guy segment, which you guys, uh, we we enjoy everyone reaching out to us and letting us know how they feel about each one that we pick. But, uh, you know, looking at what Duke went through this weekend, I mean, it was just tough. I know that they were upset. Grayson Allen, I called him the Kira Sedgwick of the season. I thought he was the closer. Turns out you take that C away, he's just the loser. And he doesn't score any points down the stretch. I, th- I thought he was their guy. I thought that's what he was supposed to do. Uh, Trey Duvall took some ill-advised shots down the stretch, some threes. This guy shoots 17% from three. Maybe drive, maybe pass it to Bagley. Does he really? He's only shooting like 17%. Yeah, and then when he threw it in the paint, uh, Bagley got doubled and he threw the ball away for some bad turnovers. We should say that the main stretch of this game was Duke was up uh, four points. They go down. This is like three minutes left to go in the game. Trey Duvall takes a... I would say self a Jason Tatum shot. Questionable. A Jason best, Tatum yeah. shot, which is like, it, it is my time. I am the leader of this right. team. He doesn't throw it to Bagley. Uh, he misses uh, Jerome Robinson, who goes five for five from three, hits a three, cuts it to one, and then he comes down and hits another three to take the two-point lead, and they ride this thing out. Uh, I just can't. It, it was one of the most fun Boston College wins I've seen in a long time. And the last time I had fun watching Boston College was when Tyrese Rice put up 46 on Carolina. So, congrats to Boston College. I think the last time I cared about Boston College was Jared Dudley era, Mm -hmm. which is a a long way away. Yes, Um, that's like 2006. Yeah, so that, yeah, it was, Duke was 8 for 30 from the three-point line. 
uh, Boston College was 15 for 26. So, is I I mean this was obviously a, a case of of Duke losing. I think I think more people are more interested in Duke losing than than treating Boston College seriously as a um, ACC contender or anything like that. So I'm going to focus my commentary more on the Duke. Like cool Boston College, they had they had three dudes. That, it was basically like a three man show. Their, their guards were hitting all the threes and everything. Yeah, we should say I, I didn't but, bring up Chapman, but he was the other guy that had 22. Um, but I'm more you know me, you know you. We're more interested in Duke. Let's, let's just be honest. We're Titus, more interested you love in Duke. Duke. I, I do love Duke. So I, I want to. I, the the question now becomes: Is this cause for concern for Duke moving forward? And my answer is no. Um, they need to fix these things. They're they're terrible defensively, but they've been terrible all season. This is they've been terrible for years defensively. Like at this in in November and December and half of January. This is their mo with the one and done era. This is by the way, this is everyone's mo in the one and done era. Like the only one and done team that was great defensively was Kentucky in 2012 because they had Anthony Davis and Kentucky in 2015 because they had seven seven footers. I mean, who else? Who else has like had a team full of one and done guys? I'm I'm sure there's maybe there's probably one other Kentucky team that was good that I'm forgetting, but I don't. It feels but not like, really. It feels like this is like this is the same problem Arizona's having is that DeAndre Ayton doesn't know what he's doing out there defensively. Like he just he has the physical tools, but he doesn't know how to guard ball screens. Um, and that's Duke. They just don't know how to communicate. They did, but they this is exactly what happened to them in 2015. They sucked. They played Miami. They got blown out in my, against Miami in January. Then they started to play some better defense. They hit the ground running and when the state tournament came around. They locked dudes up. Justice Winslow was great. I sort of think that's going to happen again here. I, I hate to say it, Tate. I'm sorry, but... Uh, there's no, no apology is, necessary. I will say this about this Duke team. I mean, there, there's the two sides of this. So Kay comes after the game, and he's contrite. He comes out. He says, we knew we were playing one of the best backcourts in the ACC. And they showed themselves today. They, they they played their hand perfectly. That's what he says. But what he's really saying is what in the you-know-what is going on with this team. He's going to run them to death in practice. Yep. They're going to figure this stuff out. And that's what you mean by that. Like, K is now, he has everything he needs to really light a, right. light a fire under their ass and, and just make that's them what run these up coaches, and down. These coaches yeah. love, that's what, yeah, that's what college basketball is awesome. College football, you lose like this, your season's over. College basketball, you almost strategically lose like this. Mm-hmm. So then now Kay can go to the locker room and be like, see, I told you guys you're not shit, and you just lost to Boston College. Now, Grayson, get here. Come here, Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the defense is ter- terrible. The one thing is the offense is, as you said, um, it has been a little disjointed all year for Duke. Uh, it's a lot of my turn. Um and that was kind of what doomed them. Is I felt I I I even tweeted I said like everyone predict your Grayson Allen dagger three because you feel like it's just coming. But uh, Duval wanted to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Did he did he hit one or was it Trent that hit one? Trent was, hit one. Trent Gary hit one Trent. to go yep. four. Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah they they do. That is something that definitely happens with with teams this talented. Is there's there aren't a ton of possessions in college games, and every single one of those guys is the best player. Like really, aren't they all like the best players of their class? Like like Duval was the best point guard, Trent was the best shooting guard, Bagley was the best center or power forward, or whatever. And and Carter's like line. the number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, not only are these guys like the best players on their high school teams, like every single one of them have been told, "You are the guy. You will be the guy when you get to Duke. 
and uh, yeah, that's just something they got to figure out. But, I think the most interesting thing from that Duke team is that uh, he like cut the rotation down, which this is a K thing. He finds seven guys, and that's yeah. who they are. That's who's going to play. And he had been sort of playing like Jack White a little bit, Alex O'Connell, who we love. And if you haven't seen this guy, just go Google him. He's hilarious. Uh, he only played like two minutes. You are going to hate him. Yeah, the, yeah. the Laurier played. I mean, he had like eight points, I think. He actually gave him a little bit of a spark off the bench. But they started to press. I mean, th- like Boston College was answering, and th- yeah. they were scoring with them and as soon as that happens especially for young kids on the road they just started trying to press and I think Duvall did that a lot in that game but my biggest question with Duke right now is like once ACC play hits are they going to do the regular thing where we're not trying to win the regular season of course that's what they always do they're going to I'm I'm sticking by so we're going to go from an undefeated season that we were all discussing to now we're going to let this team finish third in the ACC and still say that they're the number one seed I mean that's crazy you and I were not discussing undefeated oh no I'm just saying the national pundits. We, yeah. So coming into this year, I didn't think this team was as talented as last year's team. I think they, having seen what I've seen now, I still don't think they're, they had as much raw talent as last year's Duke team had. I think they fit better together. Like they, they have the more potential. Like they have a point guard. They actually have guys that, that all play natural positions. Grayson kind of knows what his role is now. Um, I think that's certainly the case with this team, but. I was I was actually kind of bummed that they lost. I, I'm going to be honest, not because I'm a Duke fan, but because uh, you and I have both been saying that they're going to lose to Miami, and now I'm a little worried that the Miami game's in jeopardy because that was that was the destiny. They were supposed to be undefeated going into Miami, and they would if they were undefeated going to Miami on January 15th, they were going to lose by 40 mm-hmm. at least. And now I'm not. We really would have sure. bet the podcast now, studio on yeah. them losing by 40 in that game. Now 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 I have my concerns, but no, they're not going to win the ACC. This is this is what they do. They're going to suck for. Mid January, that's what it is. The Miami, I still think they're going to get that Miami's going to beat them, and that's going to be the turning point. Can we talk um, about the actual court storming? Yes, itself? please. Because Grayson Allen, uh, you know, he's obviously a target, and when all these players, you know, all these students run on the run on the court, I mean, all the players are, you know, you got to be safe. You got to be safe. Yes. With those guys, of course, Seth Davis. Uh, you know, I don't want anyone to get prayers. injured, especially journalists. Uh, but they all run down. They turn the lights off for whatever reason. No one knows why that happens, but it does. They turn the lights down, and then they press them back up. And as soon as they do that, somehow in in like, with no light. Five security guards get around Grace now, and he has a black eye. This, this <laughs> happened in the game. He gets a black eye in the game. Nothing, that's not related, but he does have a black eye. It's funny. Uh, and he gets surrounded by security guards and as if they had already had this plan in place. Like they knew that, hey, if Boston College wins this game, we got to get around Grayson and get him out of here and, and usher him out of this game. I've never seen anything like so that. So do you think do you think they were protecting Grayson from the fans or do you think they were protecting the fans from Grayson? I think they were protecting just, Grayson from just starting to kick people. Yeah, like I, he's I think Duke hired <laughs> yeah, they were just like we got to make sure Grayson doesn't start fighting people with his feet. It's like it's like when they got the Hannibal Lecter thing, they got him strapped up and they got the mask on him, they're trying to like just wheel him around. It's like Jackie Chan doing like rush hour prep, you know, he just starts kicking everything. <laughs> You can't trust him. Yeah, that's a smart move by Boston College. I thought the course started, someone brought it up to brought it up to me, and and it's a great point that that when the lights went out, you could see all the the students with the phones in their hands. <laughs> and and I, I I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that about the kids with the phones. Like but like back in my day, you just storm the court. You're trying to start a mosh pit. You're just going nuts. You're trying oh, you to mean like the like filming stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like they're just kind of like they're half assing it. They're just kind of like walking out there. <laughs> like I'm trying to, to get. I'm trying to put this on my Instagram story. Or I something, thought you so. meant like they were using their phones for light. I was like, what do you want oh, to do? No, no. Like use a lighter? Like no, I'm saying do- when, because the lights in the arena went out, you could then see how many mm. screens were like on and the the kids were just slowly walking out with their phones up so they could videotape it rather than committing a hundred percent 
to the the court storming. You see what I'm saying? You don't get the experience. It's, You're a, it's too a second-hand say, experience. You, you wouldn't know this, but I, as someone who played, I, I don't know if I've told you before, I played at Ohio State, um, and we won Big Ten championships. I mean, we they stormed the court all the time when I was there because we were very good on the, when I was a player. Um, and... Back in my day, they just ran on the court and we celebrated, and then they lifted people up. Like I, I again, like I don't know if I told you this. I got one time we stormed the court. People lifted me, put me on their shoulders, chanting "Mark the Shark, you're the best." And <laughs> all that's kind of irrelevant, but that did happen. That's a fact. Uh, and that was like the the focus was like let's let's get crazy, let's get wild, mm. let's start a party. And I'm just I'm worried about the kids these days, Tate. Are we are where's our where's our mindset? Are we worried? Are we trying to get Grayson Allen to punch us, or are we trying to get like a couple retweets? To, like check out this video I took on my on my phone. I don't well, know. Well, the thing that you do is you multitask. That's what this generation is about. So you film yourself punching Grayson Allen. You mm. do both. That would be good. That's what you should do. That's a good call. I'm glad Grayson Allen got away safely though. All uh, jokes aside, there was another huge upset that. Maybe not have may, might not have been an upset with uh, with with Kansas and uh, and Arizona State. We're gonna get to that in a second, but first I want to talk about. Let just, let's just crack one open. Oh, I want to talk about our our sponsor here. That's on the best one crack since crack. Mm. Coming through, dropping the Ooh. bag. Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Arizona Iced Tea, a top ten tea option in America for over two decades. Since 1992, Arizona Iced Tea has been brewed here at home in the heart of Arizona, New York City. Whether your drink of choice is the Arnold Palmer Light, the Mango Lime Ricky, the Jolton Joe Espresso, or the all-new Tangerine Tornado Twist, there's peace of mind in knowing that a big can of Arizona will always be just 99 cents. And now for the holiday season, Arizona Iced Tea is introducing Peppermint Duffel. Mm. A brand new flavor exclusively for One Shining Podcast listeners. Just go to Arizona Ice Tea's deliciousandrefreshing.com and enter promo code drop the bag. That's Arizona Ice Tea, 23 ounces, 99cents.com with promo code bring back teed up. Arizona Ice Tea, it's always tea time. Mm. Mm, delicious, Dave. When tea bagging goes right. Mm. We love it. Uh, let's get to the, the most important segment of the week. It's the thing that's taking America by storm. People cannot get enough of this tape, they love it. Good guy, bad guy, Kyle guy. Let's, uh, you want to start with Kyle guy? Let's start You're with excited Kyle guy. with Kyle guy. So with Kyle guy, we got to talk about. I mean, obviously this West Virginia game. That that, that that's first off did so, not look great in the first half. In the first half, yeah. He's a second half player. He hit six threes in the second half, uh, but he needs seventeen shots to get eighteen points. You know, he's he's averaging sixteen points per game this year. People are getting all over him. He's got a lot going on. But he's not down in spirits, you know. If you no. go to you go to his Twitter feed, the guy's making jokes about Rocky Four and Jack Salt looking like our boy uh, Irvin uh, Ivan Drago. Ivan Drago, guy. Yeah, I was yeah, calling yeah. him Irvin Drago. That sounds like a nice guy around the corner that sells Audis at the uh, <laughs> and he you know grew up in Germany for five years. Uh, cow guy, you know, good for him that all that's happening. And he also had a nice little ple- press conference moment with Isaiah Wilkins. Isaiah Wilkins was talking about how he needed to go to the restroom. Cow guy does like the fifth grader like. Psh- <laughs> like giggling about it. You know, he's having a great year, a lot of charisma. Cow guy, congrats to you. We're keeping an eye on you, but that was my cow guy update. That's the cow guy update. Yeah. So really just uh West Vir- West Virginia beat Virginia and <laughs> Cow guy hit some threes, tweeted, six of them. He, he tweeted once and he laughed in a press conference. That's yeah. the update. That's all right. Cow guy, cow doing guy. well. Cheers. That's what he's up to. Uh so good guy, bad guy. Why don't you go first? We're going to start with our good guys of the week. Um you go ahead go first. All right, well first off, let me explain this. Good guy segment. Most people are coming. They're saying Duke loses. Tate Frazier is going to say 
that his good guy of the week is Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. So I don't hold know if on. you know that. You're, you're, not, you're setting this up like you're not going to pick Coach K. I'm setting this up like you have to understand the segment, and I know that we've okay. done a lot of explaining here. <laughs> the segment is a good guy because that means if this man were to leave the program, the, what you would write and what you would say was that he was a good man that worked hard and put the yeah. program first. He's a good man. He's a good guy. He's good. But no one's going to say that about Coach No one's going to say that about Mike Krzyzewski. He is not a good guy. He is not a good uh, man. I see what you're In doing. my okay. opinion. So, therefore, he cannot be a good guy. And, therefore, he is disqualified from the segment. Moving on. My good guy of the week, Andy Infield, a man that I believe is a good guy. He is a good guy of the week for me. USC has taken a tumble. They started this what? year as the darling, the sleeper, the dark horse. We watched him play quite a bit. We watched the Oklahoma game yeah. uh, uh, when they played USC out here in, in Los Angeles. They made a nice comeback. They made a nice run. Boatwright's decided this year that he is trying to get drafted as high as possible, and he's trying to take like fadeaway jumpers everywhere. Uh, what the he- what the hell happened to Thornton? Yeah, does, does that Thor- dude even play anymore? I so, mean, let's be honest. Duke defectors are my favorite breed of players. You know, guys that leave Duke, they go to another you're, program. You're a Duke defector. Need we <laughs> need I remind fans? I would never that apply you, to Duke University. You grew up in the butthole of of North Carolina. <laughs> Like right outside Durham, not right? Not the butthole. Is that not? <laughs> it's the north, stop me when I'm wrong, Tate. North of Durham, uh, Henderson, North Carolina. Beautiful place. 252. Shout out to y'all. Uh, right. Well, I'm saying you defected. You had the, the Duke. Uh, am I wrong? Duke doesn't care about us. That's We all, we always knew that. Uh, I'm trying to compliment you by saying you <laughs> <laughs> And I'm trying to get away. I'm trying to defect as it's happening. Uh, Duke... You know, I don't even know why we're talking about Duke I was talking right about, now. I, was at, I asked you about Thornton. <laughs> what happened to Thornton? Duke, uh, yeah, he defected from Duke. He went to USC. We've seen Jabinaje, who went to Syracuse, make What's it work. What's his name? Say it again. Jabinaje. <laughs> I used to call him Jabinji. I used to think that was his name, but it's Jabinaje. Uh, he went to Syracuse, did well. Simi. Are we yeah. sure that are we sure it's Jabinaje? It's Jabinaje. It's not like Benaje. The G's not silent. No, it's Jabinaje. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever. He defected from Duke. He was great at Syracuse. Simi obviously went to SMU and was awesome. So I'm yeah. thinking to myself, you know, well, Chase Jeter, there's no shot that he's gonna be good. So I'm not gonna discuss mm-hmm. his situation. But Derek Thornton goes to USC. They, what do they need? A point guard. I'm like, he's gonna sit out a year, he's gonna play in the program, he's gonna get right, he's gonna get everything together. Uh no, he doesn't even play. We haven't even seen him at all. I mean, Elijah Bryant is probably he was the best hope in that uh, in the Oklahoma game. He hit a bunch of threes, but their whole team just Elijah looked, Stewart. Elijah Stewart. What I call yeah. him, Elijah Bryant, yeah, Kobe Bryant's right. brother. Uh, in, anyway, the whole point is to say Andy Enfield is having a, a down season. Yeah, they've lost they've lost three in a row. Is it now three in a row? And then you had the SMU loss, which was pretty bad. Uh, I think a lot of people are surprised about how SMU is playing, but they're also surprised that USC is yeah. playing as poorly as they are. You have the Tony Bland situation, which we've talked about quite a bit. Um, I think we talked about this before. When you're in a situation where you're good, you're untouchable. Right. But when things start to go awry, you can become Tim Floyd. They are. They, yep. They have. This is this is borderline disaster for USC. The the FBI. They, if they, I mean, if they start losing, I don't know. They start losing a couple more Tate. The FBI is coming in. And for people that forget, people forget Tim Floyd and uh, Annie Infield got in a little scuffle in 2013, and Tony Bland was a big part of that scuffle. I think they were. It was in Battle for Atlantis. They were like arguing at each other. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and they were talking about the UTEP, and he was like, "That guy has to wake up in El Paso every day. I get to wake <laughs> up in LA." Uh, and you know, sometimes when you do stuff like that, it comes back to haunt you. So that might be the case here for Infield. Yeah, that's a uh, good guy. The so way is he Andy a good guy? Then so I don't know. I, like, but uh, I still think that he's going to get away as the good guy. I think he may even walk away from the program due to like stress. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. 
Uh, Who's my, your good guy? So there are a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have picked Mike Bray. Um, lost lost to Ball State at Such home. Such a good guy. Very good guy, and he is a good guy. Love Mike Bray. Very good guy. Lost to Ball State at home last Tuesday, I want to say. He embraces yeah. t- T-shirt Tuesday. I mean, yeah. that, that guy loves it. A lot of fun. He's the Mike Bray is the only guy with Duke connections that, that Tate actually likes. Um, that's how you know. And, and it's I mean, does he really have Duke connections? It, yeah, it's tangential he, Duke connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick Cronin was another choice. I had him. He's another one that may be DQ'd from the good guy. He's, he's definitely DQ'd from the good guy. So I'm going to take him out. And then uh, Richard Pitino had my eye on, uh, but he's sort of got I the— I just spit my Arizona <laughs> ice out when you said Richard Pitino. There's no way he's in the good guy. But to me, there's only one obvious option, and it's Bill Self. Mm. The, uh, the Kansas Jayhawks, not good, Tate. They've lost two in a row, two home games technically in a row, because uh, the 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 Washington game was technically a home game because they they played it in the Sprint Center. They threw the big Kansas logo. I think they played it there because then they can host NCAA tournament. Like you have to play one game there to if you want to host NCAA tournament or something like the, whatever facility hosts. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they did it, but I don't know. Uh, they've lost two straight to Pac-12 teams, and the Pac-12. Eh, they're the Pac-12. They were not supposed to be very good. And Kansas is making the Pac-12 look very, very good. Uh, Arizona State hangs 95, was it? Was it 95-85? 95. On K- Kansas fans are leaving early. Shot 50% from three. Allen Fieldhouse was flooding before the game. A pipe bu- uh, burst. I'm not going to blame Bill Self for that, but it's just like a state of this. It just reminds me of when the uh, the beam fell from Assembly Hall when like Tom when shit was hitting the fan for Tom Crean. I mean, these are just like omens. And Bill Self won a lot of Big 12s. In a row, is this the year? Is and he if finally you saw Bobby to... Hurley with that pipe that he pulled out and, and cracked himself, then yeah. congratulate him on that. So Bill Self's got the he's got the bad guy and the good guy going on. You know, we talk we spend Fridays talking about the Billy Preston uh, mystery, mystery of course. which we'll, we'll we'll update people on Friday. But um, yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's also kind of a good guy right now. If he went down right now, he would be considered a good guy. Yeah, and that's why he is a good guy. He's he's a like he's he's just like a quintessential good, like he he li- he's lived in the Midwest his whole life. You know, he coached at like Illinois, coached it. Didn't he go to like Oral Roberts or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he goes to Kansas. Like he's just a Midwestern. He's got that paunch belly. He's got that hairpiece, and, and he's very beloved he's, too. Because even when he pulls in like these big name guys, like he has no problem like putting Chick Diallo on the bench and telling him yeah. he's not going to play. So people are like respect him. They're like he yeah. it's his program over the player. And even even Self. if he is cheating, no one really cares that much nationally because he's only won one national title. He's been mm-hmm. to two Final Fours, so he's not like Coach K just churning out. You know what I mean? Like he's not. And it turned out to be an underdog story because when Mario Chalmers did that shot, it was against yes. like Derrick Rose, who was the number one player in the country and everything. So everyone was and like, "Oh my God, what a play! What what an yeah, amazing had, underdog moment!" They had the underdog, and then also Cal gets busted, or Derrick Rose gets busted <laughs> for the SIT SAT thing. So now, like even in retrospect, people are like, "Oh man, thank God Bill Self won that one because we didn't have yeah, to." Yeah, they saved us from to, like yeah, yeah having yeah. to give them a vacated title. So yeah, Bill Self's got the good guy vibe. Uh, Kansas, not to brag. I've said Kansas is trash like pretty much all year. Like we watched the, I'm gonna stand by this that when we were watching the Champions Classic, we watched Duke Michigan State. Duke kind of pulls away, like mm-hmm. wins kind of comfortably. It, it was close game. Like not the Michigan State looked bad, but like Duke sort of had it in control for most of it. And then the Kansas Kentucky game happens, and it's like back and forth, and people are getting excited. And they're like, whoa, that was the game of the night. That was like Kentucky kind of gave him a. G-. And people come away from that game thinking, man, Kentucky is really raw, but like they showed me something tonight because Kansas is good. That's a good Kansas team, and that's a good. Can- I don't think either one of those teams are good. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it either was either actually one of those just teams- really bad basketball, yeah. and there were two bad for teams all, playing each other. Yeah, for all we know, like those could have been the the 
the 30th ranked team and the 38th ranked team playing at a close game. Let's I do mean, this. If it was Iowa versus Nebraska, what right. would we say? Not a very yeah, good game. Not a good game. That was not a good game. Uh, like, what has Kansas done to prove that they are one of the better teams? It was the Syracuse win. That's what everyone jumped out. But then they lost to a 2-3 zone the next game against Washington to right. basically take all that away. Which leads me into the Arizona State thing. We're And Arizona State fans who are just foaming out the mouth waiting for us to finally, we have to address Arizona State. We are going to. But first I want to say that Arizona State like jumping up in the polls is directly because I, I get the sense that it's because of them beating Kansas, not because people are like excited about them. You know what I mean? Like if they if 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 Miami for if if, if Miami, we'll use Miami as an example. If 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 Arizona State just went on the road and beat Miami, who's who's undefeated, ranked very high, and they beat them by ten at Miami. Miami our, would drop to twenty two. Right. And Arizona State would be 18. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like Allen Fieldhouse has built this mystique around it that you're not, it's almost like you're not playing the the team, Kansas. You're playing the Allen mythology Fieldhouse. Of the mythology. The Fieldhouse. Yeah. And so if you go in there and you beat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse, no one gives a shit who's wearing the Kansas jerseys. They're just like lose their minds and they're like, this never happens. It's like, well, look at the team they have right now. Maybe this is going to happen this year. The ghost of Fog Allen just gets over the other team and they have no choice they but have, to lose. I, I I tweeted this thought. And I'm standing by it. Kansas has their Ukraine maker, who we've determined. Speak. So here's the problem with Kansas. We 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 determined early on that the Ukraine maker is an X factor mm-hmm. and not the glue guy, and LeGerald Vick is the glue guy and not the X factor, and that is backwards because on every other team, the white guy is the glue guy and the black guy is the X factor. But this, I noticed this early. Makai Luke is the X factor. He has to play well for Kansas to beat a team with a pulse. And that's very confusing for a lot of people. It's confusing for Bill Self, which is why these last two games, Mikhail Luke has taken on the glue guy role. He was like 0 for 1,000 until like the final five minutes of the, the Arizona State game. He had like six assists. I don't want Mikhail Luke having six assists. I want him making six threes. And LeGerald Vick had like, what do you have, like 28 against Washington or something? Mm-hmm. And then he was scoring a ton against Arizona State. We don't want him doing that. We want him playing defense. We want him being a 6-4 power forward. And... And rebounding. That's and what catching we need. lobs from Devontae Graham, basically. I mean, yeah. I could fix this right now. Just tell them, you're. listen, I know you're a white guy, but we need you to be the X-Factor. Vic, I know you're the black guy. We need you to be the glue guy. This is very confusing, but let's just try it and see what happens. And this that, segment is sponsored by Elmer's Glue. <laughs> the best glue around town. So that's a... Uh, that that's the Kansas situation. I don't think Kansas. I mean, they need big guys. They they brought. I saw they brought the tight end from the football team in. Um, they're doing everything they can. I mean, it. Bill Self is calling everyone. Billy anyone Preston. That wants to play. We're, we're going to update the the Billy Preston mystery here on Friday and see see what they got cooking there. But uh, yeah, I mean, Kansas. This is. I don't think they're a very good team. However, I however I do uh, I do think Arizona State's very good, and that leads us to uh, let's my, talk about the bad guys. My bad guy of yeah. the week, Mister Bobby. Hurley, and I know that you know you may think that's very on the nose and very funny, and he's just coaching his ass off. No, should we remind should we remind people that Bobby Hurley uh, played at Duke? In case l- lest anyone forget that. Uh, okay, I just wasn't sure. I mean, I wouldn't. You know, we know this. I we all sure. know this. People forget though that he did play at Duke, and he was a star sure. point guard. They also forget he started in blue chips uh, as an Indiana point guard. Those are two knocks in my book. Uh, let's talk about why he's a bad guy. And it's not just because they won nine games and it's their best start since 1975-76 season. It is because the last time they got an ESPN Top 100 recruit, Mark Titus, you want to guess what year that was? James Harden, 2008? It w- James Harden, 2007, Seven. is not the right answer. The answer is Jahai Carson, 2011, but nobody mm. remembers who that is. The last real meaningful player that they got was James Harden, 2007. Shout out to you, Herb Sindek. But 
Since then, we've had a drought, as they would we say have. in Arizona. In the desert, yeah. In the desert, yes, with the Sun Devils. Uh, Herm Edwards, if you don't know that the Sun Devils is the mascot, maybe you shouldn't have taken the job. I don't know. Talk to your agent. Uh, Romello White, 2016, last year, Herb Sendek, uh, just kidding. Bobby Hurley gets his first top 100 recruit, Romello White. And then this year, he gets Remy Martin, not the drink, uh, the player, and Kamani Lawrence, both in 2017. So two top 100 recruits, four-star guys. So in his two years he's been there, he's already gotten three top 100 hmm. recruits, more than they've gotten since, let's say, 2010 era. They got two hmm. that year. Uh, that's interesting. I just want to say that, point that out. And that's why he's my bad guy of the week. Um, huh. And I also want to say this about Bobby Hurley. This guy, I'm not knocking Bobby Hurley. I do think he's a grinder. <laughs> I do think he really does work hard. I do think that Bobby Hurley loves basketball. And I do think that he got the raw end of the deal with that whole Duke run. Christian Leitner just yelled at him, berated him. Coach yeah. K berated him all the time. There was there was one game in the 92 run uh, that that Hurley basically saved him. Leitner was trash. I forget what game it was. It, it, was, was, the like, it was the national championship. championship? Yeah, Christian Leitner came out in the four. first half. Yeah. And they he were had like terrible. seven turnovers in the first half. Yeah, yeah. And he looked like he forgot to have play basketball. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that think that he had some money problems and he was throwing the game. And I don't know. Maybe hmm. we should look into that. But... Bobby Hurley goes in at halftime and challenges him. I think this was in the 30 for 30, actually, with the Fat Five. And he's basically like, you've been riding me all four of these years, and it's my time to tell you that you're ruining my season right now. <laughs> and he came out in the second half, and Christian Lane turned it around, and the rest is history. Duke won. Uh, all that to say, my only point about this situation is, Remy Martin, where did he play high school? I'm gonna say he played at one of these prep schools. Like uh, I honestly don't know. I, w- I would guess like what's the Vegas one? The Finley Prep. Or Finley something? Prep. It's basically it's that, that, but it's in California. And guess oh. who his teammate it is, so was? was pre- Who's his teammate? Marvin Bagley the third. Huh. Oh. So hold on. Wait, what? Marvin Bagley. So you, they're both from California. Mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley goes to Duke. Mm-hmm. Remy Martin goes to uh, Arizona, Arizona State, State to play for a Duke guy. Huh. Meanwhile, Sierra Canyon High School for people that don't know. Huh. Meanwhile, every other Coach K disciple goes to the private school. We've talked about this before. Hmm. So big for public schools, big for the Duke brand, yeah. growing into the public university yeah. standard. So now Bobby Hurley is like really branching out from Duke. So proud of him for that. But I will say, is Arizona can, State public? Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. I connected <laughs> the dots here. I, I was making a joke. I mean, Arizona State has the yeah. I'm locked in on Bobby Hurley right I'm now. Sorry. I have no time for I'm comedy. <laughs> I'm I'm I am I am putting the piece. I'm like a freaking Hardy boy over here, and I'm trying to let people know what's going on with these bags. Some bags are being dropped, folks. I don't oh know. My God. He's hurling bags. If you, if That's you, why his name's Bobby Hurley. If you tune into this podcast expecting anything else but Tate to be shot out of a cannon with Duke losing <laughs> and Bobby Hurley dropping bags, <laughs> the stars of a line for Tate to just be oh. Oh my God! Um, Good job, Bobby Hurley. Bad so, guy of the week. A couple thoughts. One, this was the first Arizona State game I watched. I, I've I've proudly not watched Arizona State. I've been not a disbeliever. Like it's just, I don't know. I, I what did you say? They were intriguing, and now they have your attention. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, they had, they like had that. my interest, but yeah. now they have my attention. Very yeah, good. That's what it was. It was I like, yeah, that. it was like. I, I had my eye on them, but I wasn't going to go out of my way to watch them. I needed to, and then they played Kansas. I even said it on here. I was like, show me something against Kansas. They showed me something. Mm-hmm. I'm a believer now. I would like to pump the brakes like slightly, and I don't mean to like piss on that. I'm not trying to say that. I, I mean, I was obviously wrong. Arizona State is a very good team. I, I should have been paying attention to them more. But this feels a little overreaction to me. Like I said, I, I was talking about this with Kansas. When I, I've already kind of said this, that, that going into Allen Fieldhouse and winning – it's usually a big deal. I'm not really sure it's that big of a deal. I think like 
Arizona State is prime for. I mean, they play five guys, six guys maybe. They have they have two big guys who are both like six eight, two fifteen maybe. That's that's pretty the much classic it. tweener, right? They don't play defense. They were ranked 154th on Kim Palm defensively. They're ranked like 36th Kim on Kim Palm. Kim Palm hates them. Kim Palm completely the hates them. Mm-hmm. Um, they have no size, no depth, no defense. I'm not really. I, I, by the way, uh, Kansas has no size and no depth, and they're okay defense. But like, they beat Kansas at their own game. This it was, was guard play. Yeah. They, they have the two best, like Trey Holder. I mean, they have two of the best guards in the country. Like one of the best backcourts in the country. Right, which is good. For an NCAA tournament run, obviously, if you have two good guards, but if you have no rebounding and you have no defense, yeah. you have to stop the other. Yeah, because at some point these threes are not going to fall. You're not going to your jumpers aren't going to fall. What are you going to do? Um, that said, I do believe in Arizona State, but this this talk of they, they got five number one votes in AP Poll Tate five. Air, so Florida State goes on the road, plays a top five team, beats the hell out of them, mm-hmm. is undefeated, mm-hmm. beats the hell out of a top five team on the road. They jump all the way up to. Like 18th or something? <laughs> yeah. Because they, they chalked it up to a rivalry loss. Yeah, it's a rivalry. But when Arizona State does it, now everyone's talking about Jeff Borzello puts him at number one on his ESPN power range. Jeff Goodman, who's an Arizona alum, strip his, strip his alum status from Arizona, by the way. I'm more of an Arizona alum than Jeff Goodman. <laughs> I go to Arizona all the time. I get drunk at dirtbags all the time. Tate and I are going to get drunk at dirtbags in like a week or so. Yes. At the UConn game. Yes. Strip, strip Jeff Goodman's. We watched Last Man on Earth, Get you know, alive in Tucson. We, we love Tucson. We drink Arizona iced tea, goddammit. Like, we're all about, you know. <laughs> we said Arizona was the Duke but, of this season um, with their drama. Yeah, th- these guys saying Arizona State should be number one. I mean, just pump the brakes a little bit. I, Arizona State, I, I settling them at five. I, I think they're fine at five. I think they've deserved It's a Notre Dame spot. It's basically it's the, like a pat on the back. Now you're a top five well, team. It becomes this discussion of whether do you really think Arizona State is the best team in the country or do they have just the best resume? Because they do have the best resume. I think if the NCAA tournament started today, Arizona State should be the number one overall seed like based on what they've done so far. Which is my question about the power rankings, because I saw that they were ranked number one in the power rankings, and I'm guessing that's the formula. It's based on resume. Certainly not my power rankings, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the standard, not hashtag power rankings, just power yeah, rankings. Yeah. Uh, you know, not quite as not much Not capitalized. Yeah. I think that's what, I I mean, let's be honest, they're just like getting excited. They're, it's like something different. Duke loses, Arizona State's undefeated, they're winning. They have a very, very good team. Those guards are going to torch a ton of people. The Pac-12, as we've said, is garbage. Arizona State is going to, they could very easily win the Pac-12. But if if I'm an Arizona State fan, I'm still a little nervous about the end of the month playing at Arizona, knowing that we have zero big guys and we have to play against DeAndre Ayton. So here's my question to you. Do we wrap up 2017 with Arizona State being undefeated? And I will put that out to the world. If you, if you 20, think 2018, what are you saying? This, this, this season? This, this season, the 2017, the, to get through, not to, like once 2018 hits, the calendar strikes, we're in a new year, doesn't matter. But I'm saying they play on the 30th. Are they going to oh, stay undefeated through 2017? Will they be undefeated January 1st? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm leaning towards no. I'm leaning to, towards no, and I think it may not even be Arizona. Yeah. I think they may lose before. That's the concern I have with these teams. And this is like sort of the same thing I said about Florida. It's the same thing I said about Kansas when both of those teams were were rolling is that when you just rely so much on offense and so much on jump shots and you play no defense and you have no depth, at some point it's going to come back to bite you. And sometimes you just don't make shots. Sometimes you don't make (laughs) shots. Right now you're making shots, Arizona State. Good for you. You, What happens if you don't make shots? So I'm going to say – I, I respect them. I think they're good. I'm not trying to. Mm. I'm just trying to caution Arizona State fans. So when the, the the rug gets pulled out from under you, you're not shocked. Like just 
kind of kind of be smart about all this and don't don't get your hopes up too high just yet. Don't be drinking the Kool Aid, the ESPN number one, all of that stuff. Be very very excited. This is a by all means, Arizona State basketball has been irrelevant for a very long time to, for, for most of the country. They are now relevant. That is a very exciting thing. Um, but just, you know, kind of pump the brakes and on like Final Four. You should yeah. be upset that you're not ranked above Duke. I mean, you should be the number right, one right. Devils in the country right, right now. The right. fact that Duke fell from one to four after losing at Boston College is incredulous. Bobby Hurley goes for the Devils. That's, yeah, yeah he goes from of Devils. course. Yeah, he loves the Devils. Interesting. Uh, so we haven't even gotten to my bad guy. This is the best. We should say this before we before I let you just go ahead and go all in on this bad guy. This is going to be an extended bad guy segment because yeah. this man may have set the tone for what any and every bad guy wishes that they could be. This man said, "I got fired for doing my job too well. I was too good of a bad guy." So, uh, first of all, this man that we're speaking of is Tom Jurich, the former athletic director at the University of Louisville. Uh, a big story was just I don't know if it was. If you, if you say it broke on ESPN, I don't think there was like really news. I think it's a feature it's in a ESPN feature. The Magazine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, an ESPN the Ma- Magazine feature, uh, basically outlining how Tom Jurich uh, took what was just a tiny school. Like Louisville, basically, when he got there, was the men's basketball program and nothing else. It wasn't even like a respectable school. It might as well have been like an People online school. People just thought about Crum in the yeah. 80s, basically. They just basically yeah. had the only thing they had was a basketball program. This guy took him, made, every, you know, the, Lamar Jackson wins the Heisman, the. The baseball team becomes good. Everyone remembers Teddy Two Gloves with the Sugar Bowl win. Right. Uh, On down the line, um, he kind of revolutionizes sports in Louisville. And in doing so, kind of revolutionizes the or or rejuvenates, whatever the word is, uh, the university as a whole. So this whole article on ESPN was about Tom Jurich. Sort of. But yeah, like that's the, that was the outside. That was like the that was like the starting point. And then when the FBI thing hits, like now they're starting to like kind of peel back the layers. Yeah, I was just setting the stage, Tate. Now let's now let's dig into what the real story is. Um, where do we start? I think we start with the idea that we were on the verge of Adidas and Louisville, and everyone knows sort of the background of the story. I mean, Adidas and Louisville were basically in the back for each other. It, it was. I love at first sight. I think we should start at the origin story of Tom Jurich, right? How does he get to Louisville? How, who is he? Where does he come from? And why does this situation play out the way it does? He comes from Colorado State. Is that 1998. Right? Colorado yep. State. He is the AD at Colorado State. And in this article, he says he takes the job and his wife starts crying when she gets to Louisville. She <laughs> literally starts crying because uh, she can't. Be- she basically can't believe that Louisville is such a shithole. I mean, that, those are her words, basically, <laughs> not mine. Yeah. They, uh, she said that the stadium at Colorado State, they had the Rocky Mountains in the background and she had this beautiful view at games and then she goes to Louisville and this is you know 1998 Louisville not not what it looks like today and she said that the backdrop was two silos in the distance yeah I've seen those silos by the way right off uh, 65 you got the big I have as well University of Louisville (laughs) written on the side of them you're like oh wow this is Louisville cool this is uh yeah these these guys won national championships so to say the least they had some things to figure out so basically Tom Jurich uh he gets in bed with Adidas uh, in 1998. That's yeah, how it yeah. starts. Yeah, it all starts there. He he basically um, he he basically represents like all the worst things about college sports. He's he's him and Rick Rick Pitino are perfect for each other. He he strikes me as a guy who not again not to get like we, we try to s- stick to sports here on this podcast, but uh, I get vibes from him of the people that hate capitalism would probably hate Tom Jurich, who like his whole defense to everything is like. 
I thought look at was, how much money I made. Yeah, I made a ton of money. <laughs> like I thought I was doing my job. I I I I have no morals whatsoever. I I built this arena in a. I, I had a shady deal that screwed over taxpayers, but I made us money. <laughs> and he says he's the victim. Yeah. Well, like, he's why are you victim. mad at me? Why don't you go raise how, your own money? Uh, yeah. He. So the uh, there are a few quotes that stood out to me. I want to. I want to from the article. Please. The 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 chair of the Pan African Studies Department. I'm not sure if that's what that exactly means. The Pan African. If that's different from African American Studies, like you guys have at uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. or if that's like sort of the same department. Just I think they changed the name of that department to AAAD now. Yeah, more uh, incognito. The chair of Louisville's Pan African Studies Department was quoted in this article as saying, "The system is quote pimping kids out." And I thought that was a great choice of words for uh, what went on at Louisville and kind of how everything's being handled. Because like the whole the whole point is, is like, is it because they actually had pimps on campus? Yeah, or? that's what I'm saying. It was a it was a great <laughs> choice of words. Um, so Jurich, uh again, there's there's so much that goes into the article. Like he he is, oh oh the uh, the media thing. I was thinking about that. He 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 hires the firm basically to 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 stifle the media, the, the criticism of him. Um, in uh, in Louisville, we got we got our, our buddy, our friend of the program, Matt Jones, Matt is Jones, quoted yep. uh, in there talking about how he gets calls saying he can't say certain things about Louisville. George uh, is basically just like a mob boss of Louisville. Like I don't know how else to explain him. Like the guy just runs the entire thing. He he understands that Louisville has no pro sports. He gets all these people to pay it, to, to 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 donate money. The one guy I saw one article, uh, another quote in there is a guy. Dr. Mark Lynn, um, who is, I, I don't even know what this means, an optometry, the, the article says he's an optometry chain owner, mm-hmm. which like, what does he like own Dr. Tavels? Well, there's and, like eye care centers, right? Uh, so like it, it, a lot of these places, I mean, I know in North Carolina, there's a lot of these like chain eye care centers, like a Chipotle, but yeah. they're just like actually places for like eye. Apparently it's yeah. a lucrative business because this Very man has lucrative. a lot of money and he says, his quote was, I can give $5 million to stem cell research and it's going to help stem cell, cell research. Yeah, that seems pretty good. I don't know. That seems like a good thing to do. But he says, I give $5 million to a soccer stadium and it's going to help everything. So that that's mm-hmm. like, that's the mindset that Tom Jurich has, has established in Louisville is that sports rule everything. If you have money, don't give them to stem cell research. Don't try to cure cancer. Don't try to advance academics. Give them to me. I can build the athletic program. I can make myself rich. I can hire my son and pay him $130,000 to be do a consultant. God knows what. Yeah. I can put my daughter on Adidas pay staff on payroll. And then pull her out just as soon yeah. as the FBI decides they want to come and get her a job in Portland. We can set all of this up and then we'll, we'll help everything that way. That's the that's the smart so way. He convinced everybody to do that. Let's way. talk about what he built. So he goes to Louisville campus and parts of the city. So the Riverfront neighborhood uh, is where they built the KFC Yum Center, which we need to, we'll talk specifically what happens with the KFC Yum Center. Yeah. But they have Cardinal Park, which uh, the track, soccer, and softball stadiums, all new stadiums that get built. He gets them to join. When he when they joined the conference, they're in Conference USA at the time. They joined the ACC in 2014. That was a big deal for them. I think they brought in like $50 million, $47.7 million to be exact, I'm seeing right now first two years uh in the acc so my god i mean i mean just think about that i mean that's insane and so all this money is being filtered into the program and the kfc yum center is really at the center of everything and that's no pun there let's talk about how that is split up and how they got the fun spread out basically to 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 not bore the hell out of everybody listening they according to this article they build the kfc yum center and like 75 percent of it is built with taxpayer money Mm -hmm. And listen, if you know anything about me, I have a certain stance on on taxpayers paying for stadiums. And this is what I think, Tate. Billionaires should pay for their own fucking football stadiums. 
So Louisville gets 90% of the revenue from that. That was in the article also, is that not only are the taxpayers paying for the, the arena, which by the way, according to this article, is eventually going to cost taxpayers like a billion dollars, literally $1 billion because... And that's not an exaggeration. Like this isn't Dr. Evil saying $1 billion. No, like this is real life. It's going to cost them a billion dollars. And Louisville gets 90% of the revenues that are generated from the stadium, the, the University of Louisville. It's it's unbelievable. So let's talk about what makes money in a stadium. Sweet sales, especially especially like sweet sales that are sold out to corporations. So a FedEx or Papa John's or KFC or whoever wants to buy out sweets and then bring people in to a Louisville basketball games. There, there's a lot of money in that, right? And that would be something that you would think they would take that revenue out and be able to put it in, but no. A hundred percent of the sweet sales <laughs> go back to the athletic department. So they're taking it's- all that money out. And you're thinking that's good for that, but isn't that good for Louisville? No, because here's the other thing about Tom Jurich. Apparently, the dude just like keeps all the finances at Louisville hidden. <laughs> they're saying they're saying in the article like people people that are supposed to be in the know on on deals being made have no idea what the hell's going on. Like some guy who's on like the athletic athletic committee something or other didn't even realize they were signing a deal with Adidas until it was announced because Jurich is just kind of doing these. Side deals, dropping bags left and right. It's unbelievable. The guy, and again, it all comes full circle. He goes, I'm the victim here. I was just doing, I made us money. Look at what we were before I got here. Look at what we are now. I love that us in Tom Jurich's mind. It's like him and his family. Yeah, right. (laughs) He's like, I made us family. I made us. Um, I will say this. The best thing about what they brought in from the KFC Yum Center, you're thinking, well, sweet sales, whatever. You know, that's fine. They're making those deals on their own that, you know, maybe, maybe they don't deserve to go. And then you're thinking, well, at least they'll get concessions. Now, they don't even get all of concessions. They get half. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't understand how I don't I, I will say that's why your hot dog is $18. Again, this is back to like the, the point I was making about the the capitalism situation where there are people who like the guys who get hard-ons for like tra- trading on Wall Street or you're you're like a CEO or whatever. You hear that and you're just like the man's a genius. What's what's the problem here? <laughs> like he convinced people to give him that much money and and to he set up this deal with the Yum set like we should be applauding this man. Mm. And at some point, you, you, when, when you realize that all of this is built around the facade of amateurism and college athletics, it, it becomes ridiculous. I mean, this goes this does go on everywhere. I'm not. I don't mean to to, to pick on Louisville. We're it not just picking go on. Yeah, we're not specifically picking on them, but we're we're picking on Jurich and the fact that like we now have the full details of the story. Yeah, and it's, and and it doesn't go on as blatant as this. Yes. You know, like most most places, they kind of like fake it or kind of give like a. I mean, I, I think a lot of us like have like the worst case scenario, which is this. And then there's like the best case scenario, which is like these are just kids that want to go to school and also play basketball right, in their right. free time. And like usually it's somewhere muddy in the middle, but this is like a, the this extreme. Is the polar, yeah. This is the polar opposite of what college sports was designed for. And it, it just spits in the face of how, like we we can't afford to pay players. How do we pay players? Yeah. I don't, we don't have any money for this. They're like Tom. It's what like, about that 18 million you just put away? He's like, runs. <laughs> <laughs> They quoted. They, they even quoted like a humanities professor in the piece. Yeah, and please. She, and she was talking about was it she or he? I don't know. It was she, she. And she was talking about her salary. So she said that she, her current salary was, or a few years back, her salary was sixty thousand, and she was ecstatic that that was her salary. Whatever, whatever. And it gets gets bumped up to sixty six thousand. And you know, and it was like was it was like a highlight of her career. Like she had worked yeah. herself to have tenure at the university. She got a six thousand dollar raise. That was huge for her family and everything. 
And he comes out in response to the situation. He said, there's plenty of great alumni in the humanities department. Why didn't she reach out and try to raise some money for them? That's what I did. Right. Right. And <laughs> like Adidas is going to the humanities department to throw some money. Again, this is this this happens everywhere, th- this attitude. But um, th- the whole point of college athletics, like – College sports are supposed to be built like academics is the foundation, and then you dress it up with athletics. Like the whole point of athletics is like to give these kids an extracurricular to work on to become better men and to, you know, represent our university in a great way out there on the battlefield of basketball. Like that was like the initial point of this. And it, it, it's completely been turned on its head. And, and, and what's hilarious is like that's never existed, you know? Even yeah, like, even if you went back to like 1957, you're like, that was the basketball I liked. Bill Russell got a bag drop to go oh, to San yeah. Francisco. Yeah, yeah. You know, Will Chamberlain got a bag drop to go to Kansas. Uh, I, this was my favorite quote of the entire piece, and then we can kind of move on from this. Um, so, State Representative Jim Wayne uh, apparently is this guy who, who his district includes. Louisville is in the district that he he represents. He says this: I don't think Tom Jurich gets this, and I don't think Jim Ramsey, who who was the president of Louisville, get got it. The University of Louisville is a state facility, and it is not their kingdom. They are not the kings and the princes and the nobility in the kingdom. They're temporary stewards of these programs, and instead of seeing this as something that they should be responsible for and hold high ethical standards as they execute their jobs, they're doing just the opposite. That is a boss quote. That, yes. is, a, that is a badass quote. Yes. And kind of sums up the situation is that they just, they, they view instead of, I'm trying, again, trying to like advance the betterment of the University of Louisville, it's like, this is my own playground. I'm going to make myself rich. I'm going to just... And let's look at an example of that. This man, Tom Jurich, paid $180,000 for ESPNU to produce a documentary called The Year of the Cardinal to go back and make a whole film about how great they were in the year of 2014 with the Sugar Bowl and everything that went on with them. So there you go. That's incredible. Oh, speaking of Louisville, we we didn't mention this. Uh, Can I read this headline to you? You, Read the headline. Read the headline. The the headline of uh, Rick Pitino, very humiliated, very hurt by Papa John comments. (laughs) <laughs> we forgot to, folks we couldn't we make this to, up if we tried we forgot to bring that up last whatever the last pod was that that is like the greatest the, the problem with all the louisville stuff and it's going to be a problem for a while because what, what we've seen so far suggests this isn't going away anytime soon is that rick patino and tom jurich will not, will not shut up they will not go away they are the victims in all of this they, they still they will never see what was wrong with what they did and what they have been doing, and they'll never admit it. They will never admit that they knew anything, and it's it's it's, it's honestly just comical at this point. And not to pick on Rick Pitino and Tom Jurich, Louisville still went ahead with this 160 million dollar deal with Adidas. Yeah, without those still, guys there, they're still taking the money. So it's not just those two guys. Louisville itself is still, still fine did. to take God, the money. God so. love. And by and by the way, we should say all of this in the end. Like Louisville has been cheating. They've been dropping bags. They've been hiring prostitutes. They're they're hiring Bobby Petrino, who's having an affair and crashing his motorcycle. They're hiring Rick Patino, who's having affairs and paying for abortions and and what have you. All of the shit. They're like Louisville. If we're going to be honest, is has represented as an athletic department like basically the scuzziest shit in college athletics. The and they last. just kept rolling. And 30 years from now, no one's going to care. They're mm-hmm. going to still be in the ACC. Mm-hmm. They're still going to have a ton of money. They're mm-hmm. going to have great programs. It's kind of all worth it, if we're being honest. And that's the part where I think Tom Jurch is like, hate me all you want. Like, I did my job. You're welcome. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I mean, I don't know what you want from me. And he's in Clearwater, Florida, right now, in his beautiful house. He has another house in Colorado Springs. I mean, he's going to be okay. See, did you see that he? Uh, it also said in here that he, the interim president, asked him 
has him into the office to talk about his resignation. He goes, basically, the story says the president has him sit down. He goes, uh, he says, I want you to resign. George is like, I'm not going to do that. So the guy just hands him the letter and says, well, you're on, you're taking a leave of absence. And George is like, cool. And just gets up and leaves. And that was like pretty much their meeting. And that was how he got fired. This is not the University of Louisville that I know. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, let's close out with some shout outs. Um, shout out to the Ball Brothers. Just signed uh, a deal in Lithuania for the yeah. worst team in Lithuania. We don't, we don't like to talk about the balls on here, but we do like to talk about the balls. I mean, we're not, we don't really take a stance either way. It's like sometimes there's news we're talking about. I think like they're not really college basketball oriented. You yeah, know, Lonzo like, played at UCLA, but yeah. it was for like what five Every, months. It's so polarizing. Like everyone, you have to take like a hard stance where you're like, oh, I love this. I love Levar Ball. He's so funny, and this is so funny and awesome. And then other people are like, I will not talk about that on my program. I'm, I'm above that. Mm-hmm. We're kind of neither. We're just like, if it's funny, we'll middle. talk about it. Yeah. We'll, if it's not, we'll ignore it. But yeah, they signed in Lithuania. And let's so. say this is funny. This is pretty funny. Could you imagine this having your kid and saying, we're going to play in southern, uh, sunny Southern uh, California, UCLA and Brentwood, and then you don't do that and you take them to 30 degree weather in Lithuania? That's it's hilarious. Exciting. Very exciting stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's birthday today. Happy our favorite birthday. player, our favorite college player in a very long time. Malcolm Brogdon. The uh, president. Could, could he was amazing. He can literally do no wrong. He got me into Virginia basketball. Um, I'm still paying for that. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon is the Ralph Sampson of the 21st century for Virginia basketball. Yeah. Dare I say that Malcolm Brogdon is more important than Ralph Sampson? Whew. Dare I say it? I didn't say I did say it. I said dare I. I'm, I'm going to... I didn't say it. Truth? Tr- he I may did be. Say it. I didn't say it. Uh, it's also Roy Hibbert's birthday. Congrats, Roy I Hibbert. Grabbed, I, friend of the program. Friend, friend of the podcast. Of, friend, of the, friend of the program. Uh... I grabbed dinner with Roy Hibbert at a Beverly Hills Steakhouse recently. Um, those of you who listen to the podcast, connect some dots with that one. I'm going to go ahead and move <laughs> on. Uh, how about Roy Williams? Shout out to Roy Williams for saying that cheaters should be banned. It's it's very encouraging for me to see someone in Roy Williams' um, position who has has been a vi- let's be honest, he's been a victim of cheating. Yes, Tate been a by, victim. By the, the been victimized that- <laughs> by the media. Been victimized by you people out there who are uninformed and cannot read. Tate, I mean, Tate, all all jokes aside, the, the optics of this is are hysterical, are they not? That they're Roy, unbelievable. That Roy Williams just gets out all, away with the biggest. If you had told me, if you told me in 2011 that Roy Williams at one time in 2017 was going to be able to call out cheaters, I would have <laughs> said, "Sign me up." Roy Williams thinks cheaters should be banned for life. Yes, and um, that's that's a very strong. It's a very good man stance. He, I, I did notice that he waited until after the decision. That the NCAA let Carolina off the hook, and then he decided to say that. That was interesting. Interesting timing there. Uh, we forgot to shout out Ball State for beating uh, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That, That's that awesome. Was, that was a huge win for Ball State. Uh, other funny thing I saw, Indiana loses at Louisville. I don't know. I, I think you saw this. I think I sent yeah. this to you. Uh, it's Archie, a great video. Archie Miller comes into the press conference after the game, and David Padgett, Louisville's coach, who's six foot 11, uh, had just been at the podium, and the microphone was basically where it would be for a 6'11 guy to speak into it. And Archie Miller walks in, and the microphone, he basically reached, he has to stand on his tiptoes to grab the microphone and pull it It was down. like it was he was hilarious. at the monkey bars, and he had to yeah. jump up. <laughs> yeah, look that video up. Everyone listening, I, I invite you to look that up. It was pretty funny. Arch, Archie Miller, it made him look like he was like five feet tall. It was pretty funny. Um, what? Oh, Indiana, if we're talking Indiana basketball, I've been talking Indiana this whole time. Feel free to jump in with shout-outs if you have any. Uh the Taylor Silent Night thing. Tate had no idea what the Taylor Silent Night tradition was. Uh, yeah, I just watched a video with you. It's insane. Uh, so if you don't know about this and you're listening to this. Ta- it's Seth Davis's nightmare, to be quite honest. Taylor University where, yeah, it is. Taylor University is where Chris Holtman played. It's where John Gross, former coach at Illinois, mm-hmm. um, currently coaches at Akron. He played there as well. They were teammates at Taylor. Small school uh, in Indiana. 
They have a, they started a tradition. It feels like about a decade ago. It's been going on. I'm not really sure when it actually started. I was hoping a, it'd be longer than it's that. It's been a little while. They started a tradition where every the last game that the students are on campus for before uh, Christmas break, they do what they call the silent night game, where the they the all the students stay completely silent, no clapping, no talking, no anything until the tenth point is scored by Taylor, the home team that they're cheering for. So as soon as uh, Taylor gets 10 points on the board. The place then erupts like they just hit a shot to win the national championship at the buzzer. Um, and they did that tradition. I showed Tate it for the first time. So if you don't know, have any idea what I'm talking about, look it up. It's it's pretty cool. They have to clear the court out and yeah, put they, everyone back. I it's didn't insane. know that was. I, I don't think that's always been the case where they storm the court. But this year, the the guy they, the tenth point came on a free throw and the fans like stormed the court and it was it like the cool. referees did not know what to do. Yeah, about it. yeah, it was pretty cool. So um, shout out to them. What else? What else? Do you have any shout outs you want? Uh, we should shout out Bob Huggins in the old Big East. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yes. have some, we have yes. some quotes there. Uh, Bob Huggins plays Pittsburgh. West Virginia-Pittsburgh, for people that don't know, was a great... The Backyard Brawl, right? That's what it's called? Backyard uh, Brawl. Yeah, so they play again. Mostly and, known for football, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that was yeah. like how the Backyard Brawl was the Especially thing, like but. back in the Rich Rod days. That was always fun with those yeah. games. Uh, I remember them spoiling Rich Rod a couple times. Uh, but Huggins plays in that game. That, that you know People have said it was his awesome game, awesome, awesome environment uh, at Pitt with Stallball. Uh, and then Huggins, after the game, you have some quotes, right, that he says about the old Big East. Well, so basically, what happens is this is the first Pitt. Pitt loses sixty nine to sixty, and and the atmosphere nice. was was great. The, the Kevin Stalling said something like, "I was always told for years that we had a great atmosphere here. Now I'm starting to see it." Like that, like that, I would think that was like his quote. Such was, a backhanded yeah. compliment. It's awesome. Yeah. Um. So, which by the way, I've been to a game at Pitt. It is a great. I I was at the game when Tyler Ennis. This is another. I'm 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 falling victim to one of my other favorite media tropes, where you're like, I was at that game, but um, I'm gonna do it anyway. I was at the game when Tyler Ennis hit the uh, half court shot, mm. or just inside half court, when Syracuse was undefeated and Pitt had him on the ropes, and then. Ennis hits the shot to to keep Syracuse undefeated, but the atmosphere is insane. It actually is a great atmosphere at the Pete when they're good. Pitt is not good right now, but it was a rivalry. They haven't played since 2012. People were excited. West Virginia's ranked, uh, so everyone like around the Pitt program was like, "Man, it was cool to see the atmosphere great again." And Bob Huggins is like, "You call that a great atmosphere?" <laughs> <laughs> he, he, and, he, and then he does a thing. One of our favorite moves. Conjures up memories of the old Big East. Mm. Says back when we used to play each other in the old Big East. God, that was wild. Yes, that was wild. That was basketball. Bob Huggins remembers when Georgetown went to Manly Fieldhouse, and the Syracuse fans were throwing oranges at Patrick Ewing. Bob Huggins remembers that. That was the old Big East. So um, shout out to Bob Huggins for that. And shout out to the old Big East because we have Syracuse Georgetown this Saturday. Uh, people, please tune into that. That'll be Pat Ewing's first big test. Mm. We'll see if Georgetown is really. George, yeah, shout out Georgetown. Undefeated, shout out still undefeated. Georgetown is undefeated. Duke is not. And if anyone can figure out why Pat Ewing is always with the Miami Heat players or somewhere in Miami, I, I don't know. But please let is me know. He, is this Tweet at me. Yeah, he was with Alonzo Mourning. I've already seen him down with Spolster before, mm. like since the season started. I don't did, know if he understands that. Maybe he's taking recruiting trips to Miami. That, that's the way to you know flip it. I almost said something really dumb. What I'm, Ewing, I'm a, Ewing and Mourning? Yeah, they didn't did play not play together. Morning and Matumbo. Yes, those were the two yeah, fives. Right. I knew I knew two of them did. Yeah, yeah. you get them all mixed up. Before we go, the 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 Kyle. Plus one dilemma. These are closeouts. So yeah, we had shout are, outs. These are closeouts. Yeah, these are closeouts. Before we go, um, the Kyle plus one dilemma, if you've been following along, Kyle got a plus one, our producer, for the holiday party for the ringer, Whew. which is happening this Friday. Um, it he, was arranged by Tom Jurich. We're not sure how he figured it out. We put it to a twit. Kyle does not have a, has a, have a romantic interest in his life right now. He wanted to bring a buddy. We didn't know if that was okay. We didn't know if that was allowed. We put it to a Twitter poll vote. The people, the listeners of One Shiny Podcast say, bring the friend. Bring the friend, Kyle. 
Kyle, is, are, are you going to do this? Does Kyle have a microphone? Yes, Kyle, bring a friend. Kyle, I, what have you decided? I got so scared between producer Jim and and all the other buzz going around here that I I declined to use my plus one. What? Wait, what, what was the Wait, point what, of the, Kyle? What was the point of the poll? Kyle, do you have to listen to the Kyle, people? No, no, no. We're going to fix this. Yes. We'll, what was we'll the figure point? this out. We just had every Kyle, single... I'm going to bring a random person and make it your plus Kyle, one. Kyle, you just spit in the face of every single person listening to this. Are you trying to sabotage our... Uh, what the? I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to have a job by the end of the new year, guys. And we're That's trying fun. to make sure that you have fun. Yeah. What the hell? Um, where <laughs> more closeouts? Duffel and Duffel. We found out today that Duffel bag can be spelled two separate ways. You can spell it D U F F E L or D U F F L E. Let us know which one you use. Should I we use L E. Yeah, that's a good Twitter we'll, poll. We'll put that on Twitter because we are duffel bag boys and we are duffel bag connoisseurs. Also, we are on the three on three committee. Uh, I don't know if uh, we we talked about this. People thought we were joking. We're not joking. There's a three on. I love three. how everyone thinks we're always joking. Yeah, there's a three on three tournament happening at the final four this year. Tate and I have been asked to help pick the teams. We are taking it very seriously. And possibly more. There are a, they, they released. The committee members today, they made it public. Um, there are, a, um, spoiler, there are a ton of nerds on this committee. Uh, I'm really concerned about that. Uh, Except for Lenardi. Lenardi, I, yeah. I will listen to you and follow you anywhere. Only, only if he's wearing his turtleneck. Yes. That's the only time I listen oh. to Lenardi is if he's got the turtleneck on. Um, and then we're excited to say this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go out, go out and say it. Um, I don't know if we've, we've, if we've if we've been given the green light or not, but um, Tate and I... This may be Memphis 2.0. You would only get that if you listen to T-Dub. If you listen to T-Dub, yeah. Uh, Tate and I are going to New Orleans for Ohio State, my alma mater, where I played basketball and won Big Ten championships, versus North Carolina, Tate's alma mater, where he took African-American studies classes (laughs) and got B-minuses. One. They are playing in New Orleans. We are currently in Los Angeles. I'm going back home to Ohio for Christmas, so I'm going to drive home anyway. I have my car out here. I'm driving home. Um, so we figured, why not drive to New Orleans first, and that's what we're going to do. So we're Tate and I are doing a road trip, the the One Shining Podcast road trip extravaganza. We're driving through Tucson. We're going to stop at Arizona versus Woo. UConn on December twenty first. Yep. We're then going to basically drive straight through Texas. Um, we don't really have time to stop there because the very on the twenty third, Ohio State plays North Carolina, and we are going to be there. We are going to do podcasts on the road. We are going to do periscopes on the road. We are going to drink Arizona iced tea on the road. So much. We are going to fight on the road because I found out that Tate does not like country music somehow, even though he's from the sticks in North Carolina. It oh, makes no, no sense. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, one, we're putting that out there to get the people excited about that because we're excited and we just wanted to share that and say keep it out. We're going to Dirtbags. But more importantly, yeah, we're definitely going to Dirtbags. We might do a live podcast in Tucson from Dirtbags. That's my that's one of my favorite bars in the world. It's where Rob Gronkowski. Tate will be also s- producing and hosting on the road, so there's no telling what will happen. So we'll see. Uh, so we're putting it out there for people to get excited. A little pre-promotion, if you will, but also uh, because we, we've only been like 85% green lit on this. So we're just kind of. And that's in a other stretch. words, Kyle edit all this out. <laughs> yeah, in other words, Kyle, we might have to edit all this out, but uh, no, we're putting it out there. So you put the pressure on the people, and um, yeah, yeah. So that's that. All right, final thought. What's your final thought? I don't know. Let's do it. Let's go to let's go to New Orleans and make a road trip out of it. We'll call yeah. it the return, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what North happens. North Carolina, Ohio State. It's uh, worth it. Also, if uh, if if. For those of you who listen to this and, and aren't really into college basketball and are waiting for us to tell you what to watch, there's like basically no good games this week. Yeah. So um, take the week off. Watch the NBA. Villanova plays at Temple. Big Five. Uh, Villanova had a close one with LaSalle. The Big Five is one of those, like Villanova, 
is too good, I think. The Big Five feels like the Big Five to me feels like the old Big East, where it's just like everybody anything talks about happen. how it's, well, yeah. yeah, anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it was relevant in the eighties and nineties, yeah. and like I'm trying to find a reason to care still. I, I, I really want to get You're into the saying you five. miss John Chaney that much? Villanova's won like 40-something in a row. I swear it's, or it's 35. I honestly mm-hmm. think it's 35 in a row that they've won. They've, like seven straight years, they have beaten every other team in Philadelphia. It's hard for me to care. Is is Villanova good for women's basketball? <laughs> we don't it's know. It's like the UConn. Yeah, yeah exactly. We don't know. Um, so that's that. Thanks for listening. Uh, follow us at Tate Frazier, mm-hmm. at Club Trillion, at One Shining Pod on Twitter if you're into that sort of thing. Um, yeah, because yeah, follow us on Twitter. You got to get that follow because we're about to we're about to have some fun on the road. So check that out. Um, until then, save the crew.